Good morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jason DeMars, and I'm going to continue in the series in defense of William Branham, part two. And remind everyone, if you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, um, you can contact me at jasondemars.com. And we also have free resources and materials that you can order there, and they'll be shipped to you for free. Um, if you want to uh, support the ministry and the work of um, sending out books around the world, you can do it as you place an order as well, but it's definitely not required. So with that said, I want to greet those who are listening in, who have greeted me. Um, if, if you're listening in and you haven't greeted me, please type something in in the comments section and I'll see it come through to my software. Brother Kenny and Sister Janelle, good morning and God bless you. Brother Tony from Madawaska, good morning. May God bless you. Sister Mai, God bless you. Brother John, good, good morning. God bless you. Sister Sarah from Edmonton, God bless you also. Thank you all for listening in. I would love to hear from more of you. With that said, I'll get right into it and I'll remind you, once again, this is an article. Take it. This is based on an article. I'm going to be reading through it uh, in defense of William Branham by Brother Tim Pruitt. Um, this series is not going to be just limited to this book. I'm taking the title from it, but I will continue on speaking about other topics and subtopics within this series. So, picking up, I'm going to start reading. When he was asked questions, he made us to understand his answers were not infallible. 1961, questions and answers. And these answers are not infallible, see, because the scriptures is infallible. And as far as I know, they're lined with the scriptures. End quote. Yet at the same time, those within the message community have almost taken Jesus Christ and rendered him ineffective. There have been those who baptized and even prayed in William Branham's name. Others have said that he is the Son of Man. In far too many circles, a mere profession stating that you believe in William Branham and his message is considered the evidence that you have the Holy Ghost. Among the tape-only sect... William Branham is introduced as though he were the omnipresent God, saying, we will now turn the service over to Brother Branham. Handkerchiefs have been placed in front of the speakers as a segment of a, of a recording was played of Brother Branham praying for the needs of the sick and distributed as though he had prayed over them, declaring him to be the, to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Communion has been served while a portion of a recording was played where Brother Branham prayed over the bread and wine. And while choking back tears, the worship leader declared how wonderful it was that the prophet was there to serve communion as though he were the omnipresent God. This is nothing short of spiritualism. While William Branham is made to be God, others belittle Jesus Christ and regard him as merely the Son of God, a little Lord and not the Lord and then boldly state that Jesus Christ was not God. Others believe that Jesus no longer sits upon the mercy seat, but the bride and their ministers are now the seat of mercy, and they are the ones that can regulate and administrate. 
that administer mercy. Among some, their teachers say that the bride is God's chosen place of worship and not Jesus Christ. Should we be surprised when it is now being discovered that William Branham was a man and could actually be human enough to make mistakes, conjecture, predict, and presume? Could it be possible that he embellish, exaggerate, and have memory failures and lack perfect recall just like every other mortal? If he's God, he cannot, but if he's man, he's mortal and he can. This is why we all should proclaim the Bible as our absolute, and that William Branham was not God, but a prophet, and as a prophet he was human, as was Elijah, Moses, or any other biblical prophet. I want to make a few comments about this. Um, what was just read that Brother Tim Pruitt wrote, um, I certainly agree with it. Um, I want to just point out it's not enough to just say with our lips that we believe the Bible is our absolute and that William Branham was not God. And the other portion Brother Tim mentioned previously, um, grab that, that it was necessary for us, yes, he says, he knew that, there, that he was a man, and as a man there was a human side, and he admonished us to be careful and discern what was God and what part of it, what part of what he said was a man. That means it's our responsibility to rightly define what is truly God speaking from when he, as a man, is speaking. And my point that I'm trying to make here is, it's not enough to just say I believe that the Bible is the absolute. We actually have to practice it, and we have to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, what does that mean practically? Just what Brother Tim wrote, wrote there, which is that we need to rightly divide what was the human side and what was God speaking through the man. If we fail to do that, we will create many wrong ideas, wrong doctrines, wrong practices. The matter isn't merely that I, based on my own whim, get to say, well, this, I don't like what he says about predestination, or I don't like this quote about the Godhead, and say, I'm going to throw that away because I don't like it. It's not a matter of what we like or don't like or what doctrines, what is our opinion, it's a matter of looking at what he specifically said and say, what is the context here? Is, did Brother Branham say, thus saith the Lord? Did he say he received this message from God? Did he say he was presuming? Did he say this is my opinion? Again, we have to d rightly discern these things and it cannot be according to our own whim. We can't say we believe Brother Branham's not the absolute, but that the Bible is the absolute, but then in practice say everything that Brother Branham said is right. I teach everything that Brother Branham said. Brother Branham, did Brother Branham say to do that? Did he, or did he say to be careful to look and see what is the human side and what was God speaking forth, thus saith the Lord? So again, 
a lot of these things, as Brother Tim rightly points out through the message community, these things have been twisted and perverted and frankly used to people's own whims and fancies. All right, let's get back here. I'm going to read the last sentence of what Tim said that I read before. This is why we should we all should proclaim the Bible as our absolute and that William Branham was not God but a prophet and as a prophet he was human as was Elijah, Moses, or any other biblical prophet. In the sermon, 1952, Get the People to Believe, Brother Branham says, Now Elijah was not an angel. He was a man, and he had his ups and downs and his troubles like we do. And he had his passions. The Bible said he was a man with like passions, subject to like passions as we are. He was just as apt to make a mistake as you are, you are or I am. He's just as apt to do something wrong as you are, are or I am. In God's Provided Way, 1953, Brother Branham says, Now a righteous man is not a sinless man. For you notice he said Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He had his ups and downs and his differences, and the scripture of his life proves that he had his ups and downs like we do. And he had his times of wondering, and his times that his temper got away from him, and he had a lot of things that went wrong, but he was still a righteous man because he confessed his unworthiness and believed in God. So that's what made him righteous. We're not righteous within ourselves. We're righteous through Jesus Christ. I cannot be sanctified within myself. I am sanctified through Jesus Christ who stands in the presence of God in my place. It isn't my holiness. It's His holiness. 1955, the true vine and a false vine set, said, God's troubled her heart and kept it from me. They don't know all things. They just know as God will let them know. They're not infallible people. The Bible said was a ma Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, his ups and downs and differences. 1961, the Sermon of the Messiah. See, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Is that right? He had his ups and downs, his temper got up, and his indignation. He's just like I was or you are. In 1963, in the Sermon in Absolute, Brother Branham says, all these prophets were man just like we are. The Bible said so. St. James 5, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He had his ups and downs, his ins and outs, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And Paul was the same kind of a man like we are. He had his frustrations, his doubt. End quote. Now I'm going back to reading what Brother Tim wrote. Brothers, I'm offended that some are now pointing out what they perceive as William Branham's flaws, and even though we must acknowledge that he is a man, I don't enjoy hearing what some believe to be his faults. However, I am more offended that by deifying the words of William Branham that Jesus has been put in the background. Teachers have removed their teaching, removed by their teaching Jesus as high priest and thus rendering him ineffective ineffective and unneeded. I'm offended when men think that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is by professing faith in the prophet. I'm offended that Jesus Christ has been debased as simply a little Lord and not God at all. I'm offended in any spirit that debases Jesus Christ and exalts any other human over him. I'm offended that a fallible man has been made our absolute. I'm offended that he is called 
the voice of God. However, I am not offended to find out that William Branham is a human. I love Brother Branham, and it pains me terribly for people to point out what they perceive as his flaws or failures. There is no virtue in that. People get distracted by the stories and forget the results. Regardless of whether we understand the details of the boy in Finland he raised from the dead, no matter what the controversy of the cloud, William Branham was cut up, caught up in the midst of the seventh angels and the seven seals were revealed. Can you imagine disc discounting any man's ministry over a story of a bridge as remembered by five, a five or six-year-old? This has nothing to do with the Bible. The Bible is the infallible word of God, and that's where our faith is. This is why we believe in Elijah's coming in this day, because the Bible said he would. Greater than any testimony that William Branham gave is the word of God that testifies of him. The same word testifies of us, and I believe what it says, irregardless of how I feel, what I see, or what I hear. Why should I be ashamed of William Branham? He's the man that God wasn't ashamed to have his picture taken with. So perhaps we don't understand perfectly about the cloud, and because of that, we're unable to put all the pieces together. Reasoning will say that Brother Branham didn't either, yet the very first time he shows the picture and tells of the event to his church, it didn't offend God nor cause God to forsake him. God was there and raised Edmund Way from the dead in the very same service. Someone has a better explanation than the prophet did of the cloud, let them raise the dead, and then maybe I will give some credence to their explanation. I don't need to understand every detail. I already believe. This is the hour of restoration. We saw Elijah restore our faith in Jehovah. I am convinced that Brother Branham is the Elijah that was promised. He told us that he gathered loose ends that were left dangling by the reformers. This is why I'm not surprised when I find he borrowed from someone else's inspiration. Some feel betrayed and say that he plagiarized or borrowed from someone else, but the truth of it is, it, we all borrow from someone. His message wasn't to bring something new. William Branham restored. Yes, there were symbols that no one understood until a prophet came. These were not plagiarized. Yet when he was about to preach on the seven seals, he started to bring us some things referencing other men's thoughts until the angel came into the room and changed his thinking and revealed to him each seal. He was doing the best he knew how as a man probing at the book until God opened it. So we have discovered that our prophet doesn't know everything. We wanted him to be infinite, and we have complete knowledge and understanding from birth. That deity snake poisons the mind and then destroys the foundation when a person perceives something they believe as a flaw. Gulp. He doesn't know everything, so he can't be a prophet. This is the poison of the snake. It bites, convincing us that in some way that the man is God and then shows us that he was a flawed human being just like us all. And then the poison sets in, destroying our faith in the messenger so we will lose confidence in the message God was bringing through him. From the sermon, the spoken word is the original seed, 1962. And remember, Christian friends, I'm a man, I can make mistakes, but God, being God, cannot make a mistake. From the sermon, it wasn't so from the beginning in 1962. Forgive our many weaknesses, Lord. We don't intend to do anything wrong, Lord, but through flesh we do make mistakes daily. So in order to stay alive in Christ, we have to die to our own thoughts 
So keep us, uh, so keep us dead to ourselves and alive in Him. 1962 in the sermon, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now I'm finite, and He's infinite, so He cannot make a mistake. I can, you can, our brethren can. We can all make mistakes. We're finite. Today, if I don't know more than I did last year, I'm not progressing any, but God cannot progress because he's perfect to begin with and every decision is perfect. In the Sermon of Guide, 1962, I can change, I'm a man. You can change, you're a man or woman, but God cannot change, I'm finite. I can make mistakes and say things wrong. All of us can, but God can't and be God. His first decision is perfect. Standing in the Gap, 1963. But you see, even the great St. Paul got between the straits one time. And many times that God has did things or let his servants do it that was mistakes in order to prove these things. Now, we know that human beings can make mistakes, but God can make no mistake. Taking sides with Jesus. 1962. Now, for instance, if one of you brethren would make a mistake and do something is wrong, which you're subject to do it, I am too, every one of us. In the sermon, Go Wake Jesus, 1963. But there's one thing about God. He does not make no mistakes. And his first decision is his only decision because he is finite. And to be in, to be, because he's infinite. And to be infinite, that's perfect times perfect plus perfect. And perfect is infinite. He knew all things from the beginning. He never had to take a word back. He never has to improve because his first decision is the only decision can ever be made. He does not learn more. He gets smarter as we claim we do. But he was perfect to begin with. Again, in Go Wake Jesus. So therefore, when anything we read in the Bible, which we firmly believe to be the Word of God, when we read that, we can rest our soul right on that. God never can change it. If he changes, then he's just like I am. See, he's finite, and he's full of mistakes. But he is not finite. He's infinite, and he cannot make a mistake. In the Sardisian church age, he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, Revelation 3, verse 1. As this same Lord identified himself with man in, his, in the Incarnation, he is again identifying himself with man by his spirit within man. These are mine, saith the Lord. The seven spirit-filled messengers are the Lord's. They may be repudiated. They may be questioned. Indeed, to human minds, they may not even seem to qualify. Nevertheless, they are messengers for their age. God used an Abraham. He lied. He used a Moses. He rebelled. Jonah. He disobeyed. Samson. He sinned. David. He murdered. He also used Joshua and Joseph. And those with severe blemishes far outnumber those whose history seemed to be perfect. All were and are his. None dare, dare deny that. He used them by and through the Holy Spirit that he put within them. To their own master they stood or fell, and in them all was accomplished the sovereign will of God. Let external history attempt to refute this. It still stands. The eternal God still walks among the golden lampstands and sends his messengers by his Spirit with the word to the people of every age. And quotes. The Deity Spirit has anointed men to build their own kingdoms. Some of these now claim to be the Apostle, the Teacher, and even Michael the Archangel, the Holy Ghost, and Elohim. It's the Deity Spirit at work which defies, deifies men 
and minimizes Jesus Christ. And the snake bites and poisons many, and they are dead or dying. They too want to be God. William Branham feared this would happen. All right, let's look at questions and answers. Number one, 1964. I pray for mercy, Lord. This is Brother Branham speaking. I pray for mercy, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me. It makes me nervous, Father. I pray that you'll help me. I don't want to seal my life. All my work here would be out of out here, some fanatic to lead some group or cult into a desert somewhere. Don't let my name have to go down like that, Lord. I fought hard for this. I'm sincere in it as I can be. God, don't let that happen. Help me some way. I don't know what to do. I'm just depending on you, but you'll help me. I'll do anything you tell me to do. I'm your servant. These are your children, Lord. These Most of these people, 99 out of a Every hundred, Lord, is really solid. They believe, they know, they understand. And they know it's not me, but I know these things has to follow every revival, and this is not immune from it, so I pray that you'll help us now, end quote. Using Brother Branham as their authority, some preachers are claiming to be the husband of their congregation. They teach that the pastor is the husband of the individuals in the assembly. Therefore, it is adultery to listen to anyone but them. This is another form of deifying, uh, deifying a man and making a man God. All right, let's look at a quote from Brother Branham again. 1963, how can I overcome? She started out as an overcomer, but she, did, but she never did overcome. Oh, she left the denomination. She did. She walked out of Sodom with Lot, but she wanted to go back and have her hair cut. You know what I mean? See, she had to go back. She couldn't stand the test. She had to look back again to see what the rest of them was doing. Oh, you know, I had some good friends down there after all. And after all, this might be just a little move. I don't know whether it could be right or wrong. I've only got this man's word for it, though he's my husband. But yet, your pastor is your husband, spiritually speaking. You see, now, whether it could be right or not, I don't know. Maybe his revelation wasn't right. End quote. By examining this quote, examining this quote, in context, you will see that Brother Branham is speaking about Lot and his wife. Lot's wife did not listen to the leadership of her husband. Instead, she says, I don't know whether it can be right or not. I've only got this man's word for it, though he's my husband. Then Brother Branham says, of a woman in reference to Lot and his wife, your pastor is your husband, spiritually speaking. Brother Branham is not telling us the pastor is the husband of the bride, but that a husband is pastor of his family. Brother Branham never started this deity spirit. He stood firmly against it and tried his best to shut it up. He proclaimed Jesus as Lord of Lords. His whole life was dedicated to lifting Jesus and the Bible up. It was the most important book in his life. He preached its life, its hope, its reality, its power with every breath he had. What I am offended about is exactly what Brother Branham would be offended by, and that is many have demoted Jesus Christ. Jesus, not his stories or his successes, were his heartbeat, his life, and ministry. Let's look at a quote again, 1961, Revelation chapter 5. Brother Branham says, The other day in Canada, a brother showed me a little ticket of a thing he's packed in his pocket, said, William Branham is our Lord, baptizing in the name of William Branham. And a little precious, if I had been, if it had been an enemy, if it had been my enemy, I would have known it was a joke. But a precious darling brother come up to confess his sins and his wrongs and say his faith in me as being Jesus Christ. And I've got letters at home. 
and calls from Chicago and different places asking me if I believe that dogma. And I got all kinds of letters that's come in the last few days and calls from different places so saying that I was Christ. Brethren, that is a horrible, disgraceful, ungodly lie of the devil. See, I'm your brother. Now that would run any person from the field. That would make anyone that loves Christ run from the very thing. I went to the Lord here not long ago when I first heard it about a year ago. And then I went to the Lord and he referred me to the scripture that when John came forth preaching that they hadn't had a prophet on the earth for so many years until it would, they were always all amazed in their hearts, thinking maybe John was the Messiah. So then I, John went, they went and asked him, and said, he said he was not. He read that in Luke the third chapter, 15th verse. So, but that kind of quietened down, and so I let it go like that. But then when it come to this, then I know that something must be done, and I say this, that the visions and the angel of the Lord that appeared at the river, if this is to be my last message or last thing to the church, to the world, those things are truth as far as the angel of the Lord. And I stood still if the people called me a prophet many times, because a prophet in the English Testament is just a preacher, a prophesier, foreteller of the word, and so forth. I'd stand for that, because you could just kind of push that down. But when it comes to be calling anointed Christ or something, that was too much for me. So I just couldn't stand that. And so then about, I come, after leaving the meeting at Canada, I found out that way up in the Eskimos, or the Indians up there, it had got among them. And so it just tore me all up in the hunting trip that I had planned so long, I could not take it. I was afraid of a hunting accident. If you understand what I mean, I got so shaky, worse than I'm standing here now. And I just couldn't stand it any longer to think that 31 years of ministry went down the devil's gutters pipe. When I'm gone, what will they say? There he is, that's exactly what it was, and all the influence that I had upon the people. Then you see where it'd be. It'd be an antichrist, and I just couldn't stand it. I thought I'd rather die here in the woods, like I fell on my gun or something. Then I, I seen I was, then I thought about my little Joseph and so forth that had to be raised and I was no condition to hunt. So I just, just left the woods and come home. And I've been tore up about eight or ten days in such a fix that I thought I was losing my mind and I just asked everybody to stay away from me and let me alone because I'm in such a fix and nervous and upset and all tore to pieces. And I wondered if it would have been some any of, any of my enemy of mine, it would have been all right, but I would just have laughed at it and went on. But when it come to being precious brothers, precious sisters, then that's what hurt me. And I said, Lord, the great, the thing's too great for me. I'll just have to walk out and leave it in your hands. I don't know nothing else to do. A few nights ago, to make it sure, I had a visitation from the Lord, and I seen a precious ones, a babying a serpent which was yellow and black telling me right along the thing struck me on the leg but the blood was so rich it didn't take effect on me and I looked down and there's where I had been bit before and it turned quickly with a gun and shot the thing and it hit it right in the middle of the thing and a brother said I turned with my gun to shoot its head off and said don't do that just pick up the stick laying there by you and when I turned my back to pick up the stick it wiggled into some water just a small puddle of water I said well can't hurt very much longer now because I believe the brother realizes, the brethren, that, that what would happen. I said, it'll, it's mortally wounded, so it'll die. And I asked many of my members of my church here in this tabernacle with Brother Neville and I that's come approaching me with that some questions. Brothers, sisters, haven't I tried to be a true servant of Christ before you? Have not I tried to be your brother? Now, wherever it is, it's a spirit on precious people. Many people have asked me that, but it's a spirit. But I hope that today that it receives a deadly wound and will die out quickly so I can return back to the ministry. Until then, I'll ask you, each one, pray for me. I don't know what I'll do. My place up for sale. I just can't stand it. I stay around. I'll go completely stark mad. And I'm, 
I ask you pray for me and remember if you've ever believed me if you've ever believed me to be a servant of Christ remember that is an error it's falsely thus saith the Lord it is wrong I have nothing have nothing to do with it I'm your brother let us bow our heads Heavenly Father my flesh is trembling my hands are squeezing together my toes are drawn up in my shoes O oh God, be merciful. What have I ever done, Lord, to deserve this? I pray that you'll be so merciful to me, Lord, and to all. And up there in them precious darling people, may they see their error and what they, what they have did, Lord, to break the heart of their brother. And to not only the brother, but our Savior, our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll forgive us of our errors, Lord. Let the blood, holy blood of Christ now draw our beings together, Lord, and be, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love and fellowship. God, may the enemy that approached our brothers and sisters wait with may it receive a deadly wound that cannot exist any longer. May it just die away, Lord. When you do that, Father, I'll return back to the field again. But until then, Lord, I'm your heartbroken servant, waiting, waiting. It's beyond anything I could do with tears and with crying and with persuading. I tried, Lord, hard. You know my heart to stop it before it got that far. But it went beyond anything I could do. So, Father, I commit it into your hands from this pulpit to where I've preached for all these years. I commit it into your hand. Now you see to it, Father, in your own divine way. And when it's all finished and everything is over, then thy servant shall return. Until then, I'll be waiting to hear from you, Lord. That's the end of the quote. And it's also the end of the article by Brother Tim Pruitt. I think... Many of the things can go without saying, but there is a great danger in taking what Brother Branham said and making every word thus saith the Lord. And I think we've seen that danger fulfilled when people have made it every single word Brother Branham said, every, every single thought that he brought forth in a sermon, every single little uh, presumption or opinion, they made it into Bible doctrine and even expanded on those things rather than taking it back to the Bible, seeing it in the context of Bible, the Bible and in the context of the rest of what Brother Branham said. They take things and they pervert them. They turn his words into scripture, and that's adding to the Bible, and that's a great danger because the plagues are to be added to us if we add to the word. Um, we're not to do that. We have to be, be very wise be very careful. And the results you're seeing, many people are leaving the message because the, the, the message community has presented every word of Brother Branham as though it is scripture, as though it is thus saith the Lord. That's an error, and the error is causing people to walk away because they can plainly see Brother Branham's a man. He makes mistakes. He makes mistakes retelling testimonies, stories. That doesn't make him a false prophet. It makes him human. The struggle that we have today, as opposed to in other ages, in other ages, all we have is the inspired word written that was put into the canon of Scripture. But today we have home movies of Brother Branham. We have sermons where he shares his thoughts, feelings, emotions, everything, um, opinions, opinions, uh, presumptions, etc. He describes all these things. I'm not making this up. We've read these quotes where he says these things. Um, sometimes you have exaggerations. Brother Branham says he exaggerates things. 
um, and he prayed for forgiveness and help not to do it. We have all of this together. It is a vindicated message. It is a true message. But it's never intended to be scripture. It's never intended for every single word to be regarded as though it's the Bible. Those words point us back to the Bible. So when we teach, we teach from the Bible. But we have a divinely vindicated interpretation of the Bible. God, God did so many amazing things. It's like Brother Tim said in there. People question, say the cloud is, is not connected to Brother Branham's ministry at all. Well, in the first sermon that Brother Branham explained the cloud, God used him, through him, raising the dead. Uh, Edmund Way died in the service. Brother Branham laid hand, uh, prayed for him and called his life back. That was God doing that through a man. And so... This is a vindication of so many of these things. And my, my, faith, my faith is anchored first in the Bible. Because it's anchored in the Bible, I believe in the prophetic ministry of William Branham that I believe is promised and has fulfilled Malachi 4, 5, and 6, Revelation 10, 1 through 7, etc., etc. God has proven this ministry back and forth, and I reverence and respect Brother Branham enough to believe what he said. But that doesn't mean I, I, I am going to deify the man. That's Deifying the man is disrespecting that man and God. And so we have to rightly divide these things and be careful about that, just as Brother Tim described in his uh, wonderful article that he wrote. So if you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know. Make sure to subscribe to get our videos on YouTube and on Facebook. Certainly appreciate you. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you next Monday, the Lord willing. God bless.